Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, yeah, reached out to an outfitter and, and, and you know, talked to him and decided to book and, and went on it, you know. And it was, I mean, to sum it up, was the best hunt of my life. And I don't know if anything's ever going to top that. You know, it was it was physically mentally everything was was extremely hard um but super rewarding and i mean like like i said to this day it's it's probably gonna rank as the top pun i've ever done so far you know and um but yeah oh you got her dude she's down let's go dude i just shot a deer of a lifetime freaking smoked him one with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. Our Fall Obsession Podcast is driven by our friends over at Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I will talk more about them probably throughout this episode and then uh, and then at the end in the sponsor segment. But I am Sam with Fall Obsession. I'm your podcast host, and thank you guys for listening. I am on here with uh, a gentleman that actually the fun folks at Ridge Rock uh, set us up with, Mr. Lee Dewey. Dewey? Dewey? Make sure I got that right. Yes, yes, Dewey. Yes, all right, Dewey. Dewey, all right, I got you. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Can't complain. Yeah, all right. Well, man, um, I'm just we're gonna dive right in. I'm gonna turn it over to you and just allow you the chance to start us off by introducing yourself, telling us where you're from, and a little bit about uh, just kind of you as a hunter. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, my name's Lee Dewey. I'm originally from South Louisiana, which you'll probably hear a little bit of that in my my accent um i lived there pretty much most of my life until i guess uh six seven years ago then i moved up to mississippi so that's where i live now um i'm a full-time waterfowl taxidermist that I, i've been doing taxidermy since i was 13 years old and i'm 
almost 41 now so but just went full-time about the last seven years six seven years whatever it was and uh basically kind of the best thing i've done that way it, it just gives me a lot of time to you know freedom and stuff to hunt you know i can work work around my hunting schedule basically because i work i'm solely you know on my own so i don't have employees this and that so pros and cons to that but you know Pros are it allows me to shut my shop down and, and go for 10, 12 days at a time if I want to, you know, on a hunt. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, that's it. I mean, I grew up down on the coast. I mean, all, I, all I've done, you know, growing up was saltwater fish and duck hunting, which got me into the taxidermy part of it. And then I didn't start big game hunting until probably, I guess I was 20 or 21-ish, you know, a couple of years after high school. I had a buddy that invited me to, to go on a hunt and kind of got me into archery hunting we didn't do any of that where i was from because we didn't really have deer down there and so got me into the archery side of things and just really fell in love with it since and i mean other than family and my wife and kids and you know and, well kid one kid i mean archery's my life after that i mean it's just nothing else tops it to me you know so every everything i do is based around bow hunting of you know something somewhere that's awesome. So that's pretty much it. You know? Yeah. Man, we're going to, I'll dive into many things about, you know, you and, and you as a hunter and stuff, but um, to, to kind of kick it off on, on the taxidermy note, I've always heard, you, you mentioned just a little while ago how, um, you know, you, you, you're able to make your own schedule. You're, you are your own boss. You can hunt whenever you want. Uh, confirm or debunk a rumor for me because I, I've met with plenty I've known met with plenty of taxidermists plenty of uh, like people in the in the processing area wild game processing and stuff and some people have told me that they're so busy that they they feel like they are always taking care of other people's stuff they don't ever get to to take care of their own stuff but it sounds like you have kind of mastered that uh, that balance so how, how's all that work with your own hunting schedule and keeping up with full-time taxidermy well, with me is it's I just do waterfowl only. I don't do any big games. So, and it, I, which is crazy now because I don't duck hunt anymore, and all I do is waterfowl taxidermy, and all I do is big game hunting. I don't mount anything big game. So, I mean, I yeah, I, I've I, I don't gravitate off of birds. So I've gotten to the point to where, I mean, I'm almost thirty years deep in doing t bird taxidermy. So I've got to where like I've pretty much. You know, efficiency-wise, I've got to where it's just I don't have to stop and think about things, and and so I've got very quick with it to where I can I can get a lot of work done in a little time. You know, so there's there's I mean I feel like I can get a week's worth of stuff done in three days. You know, if I want to, you know, if if I need to, you know, yeah. if I if I got a hunt coming up to where I want to take off ten or twelve days, I can work seven days a week, and, and you know you know, to, to have the time to take off, you know, so it just, it, you know, just over years, you know, of, of, you know, mastering the craft. Yeah, I got you. So like I mentioned at the beginning of, at the beginning of our podcast, um, Derek and Derek Eves from Ridge Rock, um, was the guy who, who sent me your number and told me that you would be a good contact to, to reach out and see if you'd be interested in recording with us. How did, how did you get to know Derek and, uh, and become a part of that Ridge Rock family? Um, basically through social media and, um, Derek used to work for, you know, another company in the past and I don't know, I guess I got to following them somehow and, and I don't know, we just kind of, you know, private messages each other back and forth. I think at one point he had messaged me, 
about a, uh, maybe like a mountain goat hunt or something like that because, you know, he vets all these outfitters and he was asking, I think he had a client that was wanting to maybe go on a goat hunt and saw that I had killed one and wanted to know, you know, about my outfitter. And so he got in touch with me asking about it. And, and that, that's kind of how we came about to be, you know, friends and talking and stuff like that. And, and then met him through, uh, you know, like the Mississippi Bowl Association. He was real big into that, you know, push, putting the banquet on and just, but social media pretty much is how we came about. And actually my last antelope hunt I went on, I booked it through Derek. Gotcha. And, and, Four of us went, no, three of us went, and we all three killed with our bows, and it was a great, you know, great place. And so, yeah, so fancy your question, social media. Gotcha. Man, so so Derek has told me a little bit about, uh, a little bit about some of your hunting adventures and everything. Kind of, he, he, not too much, he kind of left it, alluded to it, and just left it for, for you to tell in the event that you and I were able to sit down like this. But, uh, mm-hmm. Starting with, because I know in our last podcast that we did with him, which was about 10 weeks ago, um, he specifically mentioned, you know, calling you to, for that, for that vet on that, uh, that mountain goat hunt. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your hunting adventures and everything. And I think that's a great place to start. Tell me a little bit about that hunting experience and going on a mountain goat hunt like that. Well, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure you just, most people have certain animals that that's their dream type hunt. And for some reason, a mountain goat's always been my dream hunt. I don't know why. I mean, they, they don't have big horns, you know, it's just one of those things. And, but I just always been in, intrigued by them of where they live. And I don't know, I just thought they, they were cool, cool looking animal and just always wanted to go on one. And I mean, this was from as long as I can remember. And even before I even started really big game hunting, I just always liked that animal. And, I don't know, I got into archery and, and started hunting, you know, local deer stuff just like everybody else and then got into going out west and then starting to branch out and then I started kind of seeing, man, maybe I can make this happen, you know, this goat hunt. And, and um, so, yeah, reached out to an outfitter and, 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 you know, talked to him and decided to book and and went on it, you know, and it was, I mean, to sum it up, was the best hunt of my life and I don't know if anything's ever going to top that. It, you know, it was, it was physically mentally everything was was extremely hard um but super rewarding and i mean like, like i said to this day it's it's probably gonna rank as the top hunt i've ever done so far you know and um but yeah i mean it was it was a tough one you know just train for pushing two years i was running a 5k every day you know wow. six six days a week five to six days a week every day on my lunch break that was before i was full-time taxidermy i was a machinist when I still lived in Louisiana and we would go run every day. I was running a 5k just trying to get, you know, cardio up and, and, um, you know, cause I've read so much about it. I knew it wasn't going to be an easy hunt. And, and as much as I was prepared for it, it still kicked, kicked my butt. You yeah. know, it, it did. I mean, and you, it's hard to train for that kind of hunt, you know, as far as just the ruggedness in the mountains and think elevation, stuff like that, especially living where I live at here, yeah. it's flat, you know, so, but yeah, I mean that hunt. That hunt was incredible. I mean, and I would if I wasn't into these chasing these other goals and stuff, I would, I would go back again. That's how much I love that hunt. But I mean, it's just you know I kind of want to do different species and you know, just move on from it. But but yeah, I would I would highly recommend anybody thinking about going on that hunt to go for it. You know, yeah, it's not getting any cheaper and you're not getting any younger. <laughs> you know, so. That's that's the big thing on those hunts like that, man. They, I mean, as far as just physical, 
it's the younger you can do them, the better. Yeah. The better you off, you know. The better, yeah. I mean, you can do them at any age. It's just, I mean, it's just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You know, it's just the kind of mentality you have to have. But I mean, yeah. But it was it was pretty incredible. Where did you go? And I ended up shooting a nice billy at like twelve yards. I shot mine, and I mean, it just was wow. it worked out. You know. Twelve yeah. yards. Yep. 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 Shot him at like twelve yards and just got above them and. And those mountain goats up there, man, I mean, they, they don't have many predators that live above them because they live on the top, you yeah. know, so they don't look up that much. They're constantly looking down, and if you can get above them, you know, you you, you, could, you, know, you can get into archery range, and, and that's what we did, you know, and slipped in. And like I said, shot them pretty much straight down at like 12 yards and watched them fall, and it was pretty pretty neat. So I imagine. Just glad he didn't tumble down. Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been crazy. Yeah. I imagine you have to be pretty much yeah. kind of right place, right time to be able to get above those creatures. Because like you said, they, they live on top. So that, that had to be a unique circumstance, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah, you do. And then what happened with us is we climbed up this real nice ridge spine and got, which was, we was at the very peak. And we would, it was so like jagged that we would walk this, we was on the top and we'd walk the edge looking down in the cliffs below us where they had like little finger ridges of rock, like bands going out. And we would just kind of walk maybe 20, 30 yards and look down and, and just look, look for, try to find a goat. And we came around the corner and sure enough, you know, we looked and we seen one, just the leg bedded down. It was just sticking out of the edge of a rock. And we just you know, we, we, we lay back down on the top of the ridge right there. And, and, and my guide's like, well, we just need to wait them out. You know, it might take hours. And I mean, we wasn't there. Like it's, it's funny. It was just meant to be, you know, we wasn't there like two minutes and the goat stands up and starts feeding straight towards us underneath us, but coming towards us and just nibbling on the little bit of grass that's up there. And I had them at like 50 yards and, but it's super windy, you know, and, and, I mean, even though I'm practicing, I mean, it's different shooting a 50-yard target in your house. I mean, at your, in your yard versus, you know, in the wild like that with the wind and everything. So I just wasn't comfortable with the shot, and so I let back down. And I knew the goat was, wasn't spooked, and I figured I can get closer. So I back, backed off the spine of the ridge and got to where I wasn't skylined and slipped around and popped up on him, man. And, I mean, we met in the middle. He was feeding towards us, and I popped up on him. And, I mean, he was – I could have hit him with a rock. I mean, he was that pretty – you know, he was close. Holy you know, so cow. like I said, it was just meant to be. You know, it's just one of those hunts that work out in my favor. They don't always do, for sure. Yeah, no, so, that's no. crazy. How many how many days were yeah. you out there? Um, it was a um, I think a, maybe a eight day hunt, and I killed them on the third day, and then we spent that I killed them at around lunchtime, and it took us the it took us like six six hours or so to pack them out to you know to debone them, cape them out, everything. And then pack them out to the to the tent. It took us probably the rest of the day. It was getting dark by the time we got closer. By the time we got back to the tent, and then so we just spent the night there, and then came off the mountain the next morning, and then you know got down to the actual lodge. They have a lodge on a lake. This was in British Columbia, and they, so they have a main lodge on a lake. So we got to the main lodge, and we still had like five more days. So we just uh, man, we we caught salmon. I ended up shooting a black bear while I was there as well. We went spot and stalk bears, like in those cut blocks and stuff they call them just those clear cuts so we rolled around and just you know spotted bears and i shot i ended up shooting a black bear as well on that same trip wow so it was a pretty good deal 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a huge trip. Did you, did you know that it was a, also a bear hunt going into it, or was, was that a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, well, it was an add-on animal. You know, I mean, I knew I had the the possibility. I was going for a mountain goat, so I mean, I, I wasn't worried about a bear. But I, I mean, I knew I had the chance to kill one if time permitted. You know, and so I had I had bought a bear license, and you know, and so like I said, just so happened I had four or five days to kill, and we fished. And I mean, I look, I love to fish, but I'm not. I mean, I'm from Louisiana, man. We we've I've fished all my life. Like I'm not. I'd rather bear hunt than fish. So, I mean, once we got there, we caught a few salmon. I told the guys, man, I want to go chase bears around instead of fish. And and so that's what we did. And, I mean, I probably passed on 15, 20 bears before I shot the one I wanted just because I wanted one with, like, the white uh, V. You know, you, yeah. you see the ones with, the like, the white patch on their chest. I was just – I just wanted one of those, you know. And I passed quite a few bears bigger than the one I killed just because I wanted that white patch. And we finally found one that had a white patch. And stalked it and killed it and so i mean the trip was it was a trip of a lifetime yeah that's awesome man wow how big was the bear the bear wasn't very big um we didn't weigh it or nothing but i if i had to guess it was it was probably 200 pounds 220 pounds or so like i said it wasn't a very big bear but at that point man i like i said it was just a bonus animal i really didn't I really didn't care that much. I was on cloud nine with the goat, you know, so it, it, but there's some big bears there, you know, really big bears. Yeah. So, so tell me again, where specifically, um, all this was and, and, and where you went. This, this was in Smithers, British Columbia. Gotcha. Okay. Which is, uh, yeah, I'd have to look on the map, but I mean, it's coast, it's kind of coastal, you know, we, we was more, we wasn't that far off the coast. Gotcha. So, Pretty country up there for sure. Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you know you, you'd do it again if you didn't have other stuff on the agenda and everything. What other kind of big hunting adventures? Well, we'll start with have you gone on? Have you gone on so far? What what uh what else have you had the privilege to to do so far? Um, you've heard of the Super Slam, like all twenty nine animals. Mm-hmm. Well, they have, that's the, the super slam word, and they have, like, that's not attainable to a lot of people, you yeah. know, because finances and everything, you know, it's it's a, it's a, that's a, that's my end goal, but, I mean, I, will I complete that? I have no clue, you know, that's just one of those things. So that's my long-term goal, but, I mean, they also came up with, like, what they call a super 10. So they just break it down, you know, like there's five deer species, there's uh, four bears, there's, like, uh, five caribou. And so on, where for the, to complete the 29, there's you know. So what they do is they break it down to where like with the super 10, they categorize. It, they 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 put it to where like you can have like you pick one deer, and then maybe one bear, one caribou, um, one elk, a moose, um, my mountain goat, a pronghorn, a mountain lion. You either pick a muskox or a bison, and then one sheep i think that's the 10 if I, I might be missing one i can't think or you know so you pick so you that's what i'm trying to do is the super 10 and i'm nine out of 10 right now archery and i got a sheep a doll sheep hunt that i leave actually i leave for an archery doll sheep hunt um a month from tomorrow awesome you know i leave and if six yeah if if, if successful you know then that'll complete my super 10 but you know that's not an easy one no you know from what i hear so yeah, so I have that, and then um, 
I, my other goal was the deer slam, you know, the five deer species. And I have four out of the five deer species. I need a sick of blacktail. And I actually have that hunt booked as well for this November. But I'm going to push it back a year or two because I was supposed to sheep hunt last year. But with the COVID, you know, as far as trying to get into Canada, it, it just, it, it, you know, messed up a lot of people's plans. So my sheep oh, yeah. hunt got scheduled for this year. So I didn't want to try to do the sheep hunt and the Kodiak hunt in the same year within a couple months, especially having a new, cause I got a newborn baby. Yeah. He's only like almost seven months. So I, I didn't want to push it. So I'm pushing the sick of blacktail back. But yeah, as far as the hunts that I've done, I mean, I've, I've killed the deer, um, coos deer, uh, Colombian black tail, white tail, mule deer. Um, I need the sick of black tail. I've killed a, a Canada moose, um, mountain caribou, pronghorn, Mountain lion, mountain goat. I killed a muskox in Greenland. Um, elk, bear, black bear. Uh, what's the other ones? Um, I think that's it. But anyway, I'm nine out of ten. You know, so yeah, my sheep. This 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 hunt next month is a big deal. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, we, yeah. Might, we might have so, to follow up with you after uh, after that hunt if uh, if successful. I, yeah, I imagine that's yeah. going to be a, a challenging I, one, an interesting story. It will, man. And, I mean, it's one of those things, too, that I've hunted mountain caribou in that same mountain range where I'm going to be doll sheep hunting, and there's a lot of sheep there. And if I, you know, most people, and nothing wrong with this at all, um, but a lot of guys go on a sheep hunt, you know, and they ended up they end up just picking up a gun and killing one, you know, and, and I could, there's no doubt I can kill a doll ram most likely if I would do that. But I mean, I'm going to be, I'm bow only, so it's going to be bow or bust, you know, and it's going to hurt if it don't happen, but those things, I'm just that's part of bow hunting, you know, and yeah. I'm just going to have to go back. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen, but. Well, man, you, you have a, you have a lot of stories there and I imagine we, we could probably take all day to, to talk about all of them, but, um, I, I too am a, I, I'm, I'm bow only just like you. I only archery hunt and I've, I've been able to go to Montana a couple times on a pronghorn hunt a couple years in a row. I was successful mm -hmm. at one of them. Um, but one of the hunts that's really kind of top of my bucket list, you know, like you talked about at the beginning, um, is a caribou hunt. So you you piqued my interest yep. when you mentioned that. So I, I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about that uh, that experience hunting caribou. Caribou was was again the mountain. There's five different species of the caribou. The one that I hunted was the mountain caribou, which is the one that lived with the doll sheep and stuff. These they all migrate to a certain extent, but these don't. These are not the caribou that you see on TV. Like thousands of them coming out the lake, shaking off. You know when they cross the lakes and these big that's like in alaska you know and um this was the mountain one so we was hunting them more like kind of like in the higher elevations kind of more like the sheep type deal mm -hmm. and um but yeah that so we end up the, the way i killed mine was we end up finding like a natural mineral lick you know where, where these caribou were coming i guess where all the runoff off the mountain range and stuff comes down and, and just you know washes around on these rocks or whatever it and it it does something. I guess it, it just makes a natural mineral lake where these caribou will flock into these rocks, and they would just walk around these rocks and lick on them. Hmm. You know, so we built 
we actually built like brush blinds, but this was probably about a mile long stretch of rocks, you know, where, where they was just, they were coming down in different, you know, different spots. So it wasn't like it was just a, a football field size spot where you can, so the, the hardest part was just picking the right spot where they would come in, yeah. you know, but we made brush blinds and, and um, yeah, it was more or less like kind of like an antelope hunt where you just kind of either sit in a blind, you know, it's what, what we did. And, and so I shot mine out of a blind and, um, yeah, it was it was pretty exciting, man. I mean, and that that's not the easiest animal, you know, to because they a lot of times, you know, they they don't stop, you know, they constantly. If you watch caribou, they're always moving around, and and this, you know, so it's not like a deer just sitting down eating, and, you know, on some corn or something like that. I mean, it's it's not the easiest shots with a bow, but but yeah, it was. Uh, I got my caribou there, and now the caribou trip that you probably envisioning is the one you know like in alaska i'm going on that next year i have that book next year awesome. for for uh caribou yeah and this is a, a drop camp deal yeah where we just going to get dropped in and it's going to be a do-it-yourself deal so that's next august i'm looking forward to that one as well oh yeah but yeah man caribou are cool you know i love them what uh how far was yours when you shot him my my caribou was seventy yards on the dot whenever wow. I shot. Yep, and and just yeah, and I and man, I, I put a good shot on him, and he only went about thirty yards. He was just kind of spinning around in circles, and I mean, he he died in just seconds. You know, it was it worked out good. You know, so but yeah, I mean, it was further than what I like to shoot. But I mean, you know, it's just like anything. I I, I, I like to get close. I don't like to, to shoot animals too far, you know, but on those Western animals like that, it's it's a little harder, you know, to get pretty open terrain and stuff. It's which I'm sure you saw antelope hunting. I mean, oh, it's yeah. very open out there. Same thing like where we hunted caribou at. It was fairly open. When they would come to that salt that lit, you know, it was it was open. Yeah. Absolutely. But, well man, I, I am a I'm a, a diehard, like I mentioned, a diehard bow hunter. I'm an archery nerd. I used to work uh before before my career change i worked at a archery pro shop um so the the archery nerd in me is coming out right now but i wanted to ask you because because i mean 70 yards obviously is a long shot so when you when you prepare for these hunts being a bow only guy what's your comfortable range what how is your bow set up and and what are you prepared to to do well i have a um i have a, a one pin slider sight um Again, that's that's pros and cons to everything when it comes to gear. Um, I I like that because I used to shoot a seven pin spot hog forever, and I liked it. But there was times that I would get kind of jumbled up, you know, just so many pins. You know, you, you range an animal if he's fifty five yards, I'm trying to count twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, and then trying to gap shoot. And I just got to where it kind of burned me a few times. And and again, this one pin's probably going to burn me at times. But I just feel. I feel more confident in being able to range an animal and dial my sight in to exactly what it is. I'd rather take a – I've learned, too, in the past that most shots that I've messed up is because I've rushed, you know, and just tried to hurry up and just send an arrow, you know what I mean? So I'd rather take the time and range and, and dial my sight in and just, you know, I feel more confident that way. And if the animal moves and it doesn't present me a shot, then that's part of it, you know. I mean, that's part of bow hunting. You're not going to get every shot opportunity. But, yeah, my setup is – the one pin and I do practice. I, sh I usually shoot about 80 to 90 yards. I, I practice right now. I was, you know, for the sheep hunt, I, I, I don't, I'll very sel seldom shoot at 20, 30 yards anymore. 
um, just for the fact that, you know, practice, and I like to practice at 80, 90 yards. With, now, as far as sh- shooting an animal, I, 60 yards and in is probably my, would, would be my, you know, de- again, depending on the species, too. Yeah. You know, like whitetails, obviously, you know, deer hunting, nah, that's, every animal's got a little, you know, they, deer, whitetails are spooky, man. I mean, I, I don't like shooting, I've, I've shot a bunch of whitetails, but I haven't shot many of them probably past 30 yards. Yeah. You know, on whitetails. You know, stuff like the caribou, antelope, things like that, you know, mule deer, they'll sit there and kind of look at you a little longer. You got more time to shoot longer ranges on them, but, but yeah, I, I would say probably 60 is, is what I, I feel you know the most confident at, at the longest range you know yeah but i but again i do practice long yeah no i i hear you you always want to it's always a good idea to practice farther than than you're realistically going to shoot i know i know when i went up to montana um the first year i was my my max range was probably 60 60 70 like as far as what i was actually mm-hmm. going to be able to do with the bow and i lucked out and i shot mine at 42 um and then the second year though I, i'm thinking the whole time i had a new rig new setup and it was like man i i got to i got to be ready to reach out there farther if i have to and i i trained that whole summer and everything and i i was dialed i think the farthest i shot with that bow was 100 and i at the same mm-hmm. time i'm thinking man i hope i don't have to take a shot on animal like this and the whole time we were out there spotting stock it was like 70 and under 70 and under is what i'm trying to get and course by day five day six you're you're starting to think man if if i got one 100 i'm am i gonna fling it <laughs> you know you start you start questioning <laughs> that a little bit but um you know same oh, yeah. same way you can be trained to you can be trained to to shoot out that far but when it comes to whitetail hunting at home man here in texas i'm just gonna i'm gonna keep it probably under 40 i think the longest shot i've ever made on a whitetail is is around that 40 yard mark as well so it's just like i'm there uh, you're right it gets spooky when you start reaching out much farther than that so yeah yeah and, and that's right man like i see like you said too it's just you know it, it's good to it's good to practice those distances because i mean you never know too you know you, you not really on whitetails as much because it, it down here it's, it's fairly thick and stuff and a lot of times you don't get a second shot on something but some of those animals out west you know that open country you could there's times that I've got second shots on an animal at a hundred yards or something, you know, so with a, with an arrow already in it. So, I mean, Hey, arrows, I could buy more arrows. I ain't afraid to, to, to sling an arrow. So, I mean, I, I will shoot again if I got the opportunity. So at least, yeah. you know, it, it's like if a second shots for sure. It's good to practice at that, at that long range. Yeah. Absolutely. You never know. For sure. Man, I'm going to, I had a question just kind of popping in my mind. It's, it's taking us back to, to your taxidermy stuff a little bit. Um, but you're, you're, you're a waterfowl taxidermist and everything. I, I know very, I know very little personally about taxidermy. Um, but I've always heard that the waterfowl, the birds are the hardest thing with the feathers and all that. Is that true? Yes. It is, and 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 look, I, I'm a big. Of course, I'm biased towards the waterfowl just because that's what I do. But I know a lot of guys that do birds. I mean, uh, that do everything. And man, birds—they just—they're so fragile that it. A lot of guys can't get past the fleshing process on a bird to get to the point to where they can really mount it. They tear them all up, you know, on the wire wheel, which takes the the fat off the bird. So yeah, bird, birds are extremely tough. Um. And another thing with the birds compared to a lot of other taxidermy is that 
you know, a deer, you have a deer form, you know, and it might, it's a semi sneak or whatever it is facing to the right. The deer's going to, it already looks like a deer. If you've seen taxidermy deer forms, right. so you slide the skin over it, you already got the basic shape. I mean, other than doing your ears and your, you know, detail work, lips, and, you know, stuff like that, eyes, you pretty much have something that looks like a deer where, whereas a duck, you don't have that form. I mean, you have a form, but you don't have that, that sculpted form like a deer is. So you have to build it back up yourself more on that aspect of it. You have to, you have to create the shape yeah. on waterfowl that you don't really have to do on whitetails or, 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 you know, something big game where a skin's super tight to the form and shows the, the actual form. It's all hard, you know, it, it, but, but yeah, birds are, birds are extremely tough, you know, but, but birds are are great. Birds are profitable, you know, because it, it's you don't have as much materials and stuff in them that you do deer. Deer, you have to. Well, you don't have to, but a lot of times, you know, you send them off to tanneries and get the skin tan. You got a lot more processed on the on the deer and big game stuff than you have on on waterfowl, you know. So it is it is. I mean, as the business side of it, it's 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 one of the most profitable you know parts of taxidermy is the birds. It, again, if you can get to the point to where you can do them good and quick and, and be efficient with them, it's yeah. just like anything. The more you do something, the better you get at it. I mean, and that's 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 all it is. Gotcha. Well, very cool. But yeah, yeah it, it definitely tough. Absolutely. I've I've never I've never actually gotten to sit down with somebody such as yourself that specializes in in birds and waterfowl and stuff. So I was always curious. So. Yeah. Well, man. Yeah, I, I love it though. I love my job for sure. Yeah, it's always helps to be able to to do something that you love, and you know the, the the old saying that if you if you enjoy what you do for work, you'll never work a day in your life, you know. And um, you know, being yeah. able to do something like that and and hunt at will sounds uh, sounds pretty ideal. So <laughs> it is, man. I mean, like I said, I'm completely blessed, and I know it. And I mean, but I do work a lot, you know. Yeah. And and it, you know, I. I'm the type of person that if I really want something, I'm going to figure out a way to get it, you know, and, and my, I, I'm not rich. I can't just go book these hunts and go hunt. The, you know, I mean, I got to work for them too, just yeah. like any blue collar person out there has to do, yeah. you know, and it could be done, you know, it's just on, it's all about how bad you want something, you know, you got to be willing to sacrifice a lot of stuff too, you know, if it, if it means that much and it does to me. So I don't fish anymore. I don't turkey hunt. I, I don't, there's a lot of things I don't do that I still enjoy to do. I just, I enjoy bow hunting western type stuff more than anything else so i know what i have to do to to be able to do it you know and that's basically how i live my life you know so yeah that's all awesome. it works well yeah. man uh before we before we completely conclude our conversation i have a few questions that uh that we generally like to ask all first first time guests on our podcast um that i'll that'll hit you with real quick um, the first one being, and, and for all I know, we might've already talked about it in the, in the few stories that you told, but first one being, what is your favorite hunting memory and tell us a little bit about it. Oh, oh man, I got a lot of them, but <laughs> I, I would say, I mean, there's some that, you know, of course, hunting with my dad, things like that, you know, and, and I'm sure when my son gets old enough, you know, that's going to be obviously going to trump everything yeah. but as of now just personally i would say my favorite my favorite thing that i've done so far would be the mountain goat yeah. you know would be my favorite 
story. It's because I wanted it so bad, and I never worked so hard for something, you know, and to succeed and and just have it all, you know, like I said, like the way, like the story I told, the way, you know, came about. I mean, it just, it worked in my favor, but I worked hard for it, you know, so it was just, it was, it was just real, you know, a lot of satisfaction on that hunt, you know, it, it, so I would say, yeah, that one, that one probably ranks as my favorite one at this point in my life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, it's always interesting. I like asking that question. It's amazing how many, how many people are, are one stumped a little bit by it because like you said, there are so many, but then, so I I love hearing how so many of them default back to, well, it was always hunting with my dad growing up or, you know, hunting with my kids or or what, what Mm -hmm. else it might be. And man, just, you know, I, we, we talked about it recently on our podcast, uh, as early as last week, you know, just the, the, the father and son bond of, of hunting and everything and how so many people have a, have a, a father figure like that in their lives that got them into, into hunting and everything. So oh, always good to hear that. That's yeah. I mean, my, dad, my dad's no exception. Yeah. He's no exception. I mean, he's the one that got me into hunting. I mean, he's got me into taxidermy, you know, all that stuff. I mean, if it wouldn't have been for him, you know, let me follow my dream. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now. I mean, he was the one that got me into, t- I wanted to do taxidermy work. He bought me a, a VHS tape back in the day and that's how I learned, you know, I mean, he didn't have to do that. You know, could have just, he could have just threw it, you know, just yeah, go play in the yard or something, you know, and, <laughs> but he didn't, you know, and, and it allowed me to do what I do now. But yeah, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, hunting with my, my dad's always been, you know, some of the best memories I've had. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. All right. the The next question I have is uh, is one, and, and again, we we might have already touched on it because I know you already mentioned some stuff that you have booked uh, coming up here in the next couple seasons. But um, I always I always like to ask folks what uh what are some of your top bucket list hunts that you have not gotten to do yet that uh, that you're really striving for? And I know you already mentioned a couple of them. So yeah, I mean, obviously the sheet. You know, hopefully that works out. That's a uh, but as far as in the future, um, if I if I complete this Super 10 and, you know, kill the sheep and, and I, I mean, I, I want to do a grizzly bear hunt, either a grizzly or a brown bear is probably going to be the next one that I'm going to book. Assuming that I, I kill the sheep, that'll probably be the, be the next big hunt. Um, I mean, everything, you know, I just, I like them all, you know, I mean, anything I can hunt with the bow. But, but yeah, yeah, I would say the grizzly or the brown bear, you know, would be my next bucket list type hunt. Um Mule deer is my favorite thing to hunt. If I can hunt them year, you know, yearly, I, I, that would probably be my overall favorite animal. I just love them, especially in the velvet. That's I just I don't know. I love the country they live in. I love everything about them, you know. So yeah. I would say that yeah, that's you know, and I might scale down as I when my kid gets a little older, and I might start doing more just the you know mule deer, you know, the stuff like that, you know, which is just fine with me as well. So yeah, so, yeah, who knows? I mean. I change about a minute, man. I mean, I don't know. I got different goals, different days sometimes, but yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, man, before I, before I conclude the, the recording part here, uh, is there anything else that, uh, that you'd like to share with, uh, with me or our listeners or anything while, while we got you on here? I guess, man, all I could say is that if you really want something, just, you know, work hard and, 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 and do it. Don't wait till next year because, if you miss this September, you're not getting this September back. You know, you, you can't, you can't get it back. That's why I just, I, I don't know. I feel strongly about that. That there's a lot of man. I mean, memories are more uh, to me. Memories are way more important than, than material things. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so, I mean, if it means giving up that, you know, big truck or this and that, if you if you really want to do hunts, then, then you just might have to make that sacrifice. You know, yeah. it just depends on how bad you want it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, but it ain't for everybody. Not everybody's willing to give that stuff up. So it just, right. it just, if you want it bad enough, go get it. That's, I guess that's all I can say on that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on, uh, coming on the podcast for us for, with, with us for an episode. Enjoyed taking a few minutes to talk hunting with you and, uh, kind of diving into some of your adventures. It's been fun. Yeah. Same here, man. I appreciate you giving me a call. Yeah. Are you uh, are you on social media or anything like that with your with your taxidermy or anything where folks could go follow you? Yeah, I have Facebook. Um, it's just under my name. I don't. I don't. It's just under Lee Dewey, F E E D U E T. I don't have any like business page or nothing. Um, I just I post pictures of my work just on my personal page. But um, but yeah, that's all I have. I, just Facebook. I, I got gotcha. you. Alright guys, well for our listeners, if you guys haven't already, be sure that you follow and subscribe to Fall Obsession Podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We're on all major podcast platforms as well as Waypoint TV and our YouTube channel. We post a lot on that YouTube channel, some of our videos and podcasts and stuff, so uh, be sure you subscribe there. On that note, normally we do a podcast video. Um, we had some uh, some technical uh, difficulties with Lee, unfortunately, here. So there's no video for this podcast, but we hope you guys enjoy the audio uh, nonetheless. FallObsession.com is our website. We are a hunting and outdoor media production company, and that's where you guys can go to find all of our content covering hundreds of different topics uh, in the hunting industry on that website. Uh, you can also shop our apparel. We're doing, uh, we got some frequent sales and some. Uh, pretty inexpensive t-shirts on there as well as our ten dollar deal of the week so be sure you guys head on over there and check out what we got going on um like i mentioned earlier we are on uh, waypoint tv which is a free hunting and outdoor streaming uh app so be sure you download that check out fall obsession podcast and some of the other shows and uh, podcasts that are on there Social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those, and uh, Go Wild app, which is a censorship-free app for hunters and outdoorsmen. We're on there as well. And finally, uh, Ridge Rock Hunt Company is our podcast uh, partner and sponsor. Derek and Lacey uh, have uh, taken good care of us and uh, help us spread the good word about Fall Obsession. And they could help hook you up with uh, your next hunting experience, so give Derek a call. Uh, Lee is uh, Lee's a good uh, contact and uh of Derek's and everything, and I know he's uh, gone on some hunts and stuff that Derek set him up on as well. So uh, be sure that you check out uh, Derek and Lacey, Ridge Rock, and uh, see if Derek can help you get set up on your next hunting adventure. So, Lee, thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yep, thank you, man. Had a, had a blast. Us too. I'm sure that, uh, like I said, we'll have you back on after you after you get that next big hunt knocked out. So Sounds great, man. All right, man. Thanks, guys, for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast. We're back again next Monday morning, and we'll catch you then.